Hello, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jake, and today I'm joined by... Chris. Wow, where was Chris just now? <laughs> Ames. <laughs> and Caitlin. And... Justice is back! Oh, justice, justice is back! back. Oh, oh, so be here. Justice after, for all! After yeah. such a long, uh, long exit. I don't think you've Are, recorded with us since we've been... Uh, Remote. remote yeah no i haven't done i have i been on a ds9 episode no i think i, I, I think missed so. it yeah wow i feel like shocking. there was one we were hoping for but then like something I, went I, wrong i don't Zapper. envy your life right now so. <laughs> yeah, oh god but yes uh it is uh i am very very happy to be here especially to talk about this episode because yeah. i have i have thoughts i'm glad you Yay. have thoughts oh this will be fun yeah. Yay! and what episode is this it is episode 214 of our, our show and on this episode, we are going to be covering two episodes of Deep Space Nine, Star Trek, that is. <laughs> oh, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, Black Gold, <laughs> Texas Tea. <laughs> we'll be covering Far Beyond the Stars and One Little Ship. start with far beyond the stars perhaps one of the most well-known episodes of deep space nine i think makes uh, a lot of tops lists i know i know it's i know it's avery brooks's top I, i've heard that on multiple from multiple sources yeah. apparently it's also Not one surprising. of uh armin shimmerman's tops interesting oh he was well, you can actually great. see what he looks like he says i'm barely <laughs> even in this but it's like so good mm. It is really good. And, uh, and I didn't have to show up for makeup at 3 a.m. <laughs> That's why it's <laughs> yeah, his <really>. favorite. <laughs> well, why are people so excited? Well, let me tell you about this episode. So uh, let's see. We open up around Deep Space Nine and Cisco is lamenting the the loss of a friend who who uh, died on a ship because we're in the war. And, and they actually have to go out of their way to remind us that there is still a war. Like we haven't just abandoned that whole plot. Uh, there we is still a, a war going episodes. on. We had a couple fun episodes. We can't have fun anymore. Exactly. Mm. So yeah, the war is still going on, and uh, one of Cisco's buddies has died. So that's about as bad as Cisco's day is going to be. Whoops! Oh, oh, Cassidy Yates is back. In fact, everybody's around. Cassidy's yeah. back. Joseph Cisco is visiting the station. Jake's hanging out. There's a lot of people around, and that's when um, Cisco has uh, another one of his uh, episodes. Profit we'll attacks. Say. <laughs> a profit attack. Uh, you'll last remember this from the episode where he couldn't stop staring at a thing and rapture was it rapture? Ra yes that sounds like right and he uh he and he ruined bajor <laughs> um or at least Did prevented he? him, I mean, prevented him from joining the federation pretty much are horrible uh, <laughs> to be fair true that so anyway he does he has one of his uh his attacks and uh finds himself well not himself i should say oh. uh, there is another character introduced also played by avery brooks called Benny Russell. We're in the 1950s New York City all of a sudden. New York and, City. Uh, yeah, and it's weird. It's not a time travel thing. It's not It's not Captain Sisko in the 50s trying to figure out what's going on. No, it's, it's just a separate story with a separate guy who happens to be played by Avery Brooks. And who happens to have lots of friends that look a lot like Avery Brooks's other friends. Yeah, we and have, enemies. you know, and, you know, as we and mentioned, enemies. there's a... Armin Shimmerman is there playing a character. Uh, we got uh, 
uh, O'Brien there putting on a terrible American accent. <laughs> that was American? Oh God. Wait, wait. That was American? I was that wondering was what the accent That was his best attempt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honey, no. Um, Thank God they only gave him half a line ever. Yeah, Imagine they, if he had to finish any of those lines. They, they didn't make... Uh, the uh what's uh, julian Ju- Ju- julian Ju- julius i should say <laughs> as he was called in this universe you know we also uh see our friends odo and kira Worf is there and you were there and <laughs> and yeah, it, it is a real uh like kansas from oz sort of thing exactly and everybody's out of in in, in a reverse from oz everybody is out of uniform <laughs> and and makeup when they're in the 1950s New York City world. <laughs> but of course, nobody knows that they're here. So anyway, that's just the background. The plot is as follows. Benny Russell is a uh, uh, a sci-fi author working for a magazine. Was it Amazing Tales or something like that? Incredible Tales. Incredible Tales. You know, one of those pulp 50s sci-fi magazines that, you know, so many famous sci-fi authors got their start in, I think perhaps including Roddenberry, right? Did he used to write? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I know he was friends with... uh... Asimov? Yeah. No, I was going to say Jackass that started Scientology, and he was a sci-fi author. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, Hubbard. But anyway, yeah, so he's working for this magazine, but uh, there's one little problem... Just one. He's not a very good writer. (laughs) Actually, he's a very good writer. But the real problem, as Justice alluded to, is he's He's black. black. And this is the 50s. And Kira is a woman, also in the 50s. And, uh, you know, so this is about that bygone time when women and, and black people were denied opportunities and racist cops would beat and kill people based yeah, on you know, thank God nothing like on. today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it takes place in 2021. It reminds um, me of our past tense yep. conversation a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's going on. But the, it's the day where they're all getting their writing assignments at the magazine. And uh, Benny is struck by a, 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 a drawing made by General Martok. Of, <laughs> yeah. uh, it took of me a, so long to figure out who that was. Oh, my God. Um, of a space station and he's like yeah i want to write about that uh we also meet uh his his girlfriend or wife I, I, I wasn't girlfriend sure. girlfriend they're not married yeah, okay. yeah oh yeah she makes a big deal about him not marrying her at the end right that's right who play who's cast played by the actress playing cassidy we see this baseball player played by wharf who's reminding us that michael dorn is a damn handsome man after all that <laughs> under all that nonsense he's constantly wearing. hitting on on uh waitress cassidy we see Jake is like a, a skeevy con artist type thief guy, I guess. Pulling mm-hmm. another accent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's doing like a, a, a streetwise accent, but but got great waves going on. I, oh, I yeah. Notice. He looks great. Oh, yeah. Did and, you, and ca- did, cool did you catch Aaron Eisenberg? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Newsy. Newsy Aaron Eisenberg. He was so cute. I just wanted to pinch his little cheeks. Uh, we I got, love Aaron Eisenberg so we much. Got crooked cops, uh, Ducat and Wayoon. Actually, it's Crooked Cops, Ducat, and Brunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the gang's all here, folks. So, yeah, Benny writes his story, and he brings it to his friends, and they're like, this is amazing. This is the best sci-fi story I've ever read. Deep Space Nine is so great. Who wrote the script for this? I don't know. They're fucking geniuses. (laughs) So after the writers of Deep Space Nine pat themselves on the back, uh, editor Odo comes in and says, well, Benny, I like what you wrote. But I can't publish it because the hero's a black guy. And, you know, this is the 50s. Hey. Um, and uh, 
And uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they so they're like well wait a minute some more shit happens skip skip yada 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 then they're like well what if we say it was all a dream at the end you know like like it was like a a, you know a black guy down on his luck who's dreaming about space he's not actually in space i know it was like ah that could just work Uh." (laughs) um so they decide they are going to publish the story after all then uh the jake cisco gets shot by police who are who's uh as mentioned Ducat and Wayun and they're you know they're you know they're New York cops hey and uh then you know Benny's like why'd you shoot him he wasn't you know he was only you know you shouldn't he didn't need to shoot him and uh they're like oh we got a troublemaker here and they beat the shit out of Benny so he like he's really fucked up uh, well, but but notably not dead, not like, dead, yeah. like Jake got exactly. Yeah, Jake's Jake's dead. Benny gets really beat up. But a couple weeks go by. Fast forward, he's feeling a little better. He's still walking with a cane though, so not great. Goes to work. It's the day that his that the magazine is going to be published, and he's going to finally get to see his story, his Deep Space Nine story with Captain Cisco in print. And Odo comes in. He's got no magazine, and they're like, Odo, where's the magazine? And he's like. Ah, uh, the owner of the magazine. I don't know why I'm uh, like talking like this now, but this is it. Ah, uh, the owner of the magazine said uh, he didn't want to publish it because uh, you know you can't have the black guy in the, as the hero. You can't, just can't do it. It's the fifties. I told you this. For and, Christ's uh, sakes! For Christ's sakes! <laughs> oh, and by the way, Benny, you're fired. Not my call. Gonna abdicate all responsibility in this matter. That seems uh, kind of Odo-ish. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And Benny has like a major justified meltdown, but perhaps leading directly into a psychotic break. He gets taken into an ambulance on a stretcher where he sees, oh, by the way, his dad is also hanging out. Cisco's dad, Joe Cisco, is also hanging out. He's a priest, but he he's like a weird priest because he talks only about the prophets as opposed to Jesus. He just talks about the prophets and does the pa ear thing he did uh so it's kind of weird uh and he's also in this ambulance for reasons and he's like brother benny look out the back window of this ambulance you see we're in space it's a space ambulance <laughs> and a but, spambulance and benny's like will. man something really popped in my brain uh oh, and then he wakes up and he's cisco again but cisco now remembers i guess the story or remembers the events uh, that he experienced as benny and uh yeah that's all i mean the frame story of this episode is really weak i think it's just you know they just had to have it there because it would have been weird if they didn't what if they what they could have just ended it as being all a dream and we wouldn't have needed any framing at all apparently yeah so before we get to serious talk there is one thing i have to say if i was michael dorn i'd have gone to the costume department and been like how much for the red suit i need to own it Like, they gave him great suits, but the red one with the sort of gray-white hat? Oh. I'm just assuming that's perfect. from his personal closet. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah so oh, I wanted to... to uh, I know we invited Justice specifically on the show, because this is the one Deep Space Nine episode you hadn't seen. This is the one Deep Space Nine episode I hadn't seen, because I believed it to be a, a episode that ha- features a, the, a trope that I generally hate. What's the trope? So... This happens in uh, in 
quite a few uh, TV series where they have an episode where it's like, none of what you're watching on the TV is real. The characters will be uh, pulled out and like, dis- they'll have to discuss like the rest of the series uh, as a, as like, so like a dream or like a story. And and it's like, what you've been watching for however many seasons, it's not real. And, and all of those episodes always feel to me like you're being chastised for having <laughs> watched the show. The show. There's a, a particular one that's well regarded in Buffy that like I just loathe. It's a where Buffy is. She's uh, being told that uh, she's actually in a mental hospital, and every time she flashes, uh, she flashes out to see the mental hospital. That's the real world, and every time she goes back into the you know the normal show world, it's uh, you know she's fighting things. But that's uh, that's an uh, illusion, kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, it's an illusion. <laughs> and she's I, hallucinating because she's crazy. Yeah, and Ugh. exactly. I, I this happens in a lot of TV shows, and normally I hate it. And I thought it was going to uh, this episode was going to be like that, and uh, instead I have watched this episode twice in the last twenty four hours because I like it so much. Oh, good! I'm glad we got you to watch it. Yeah, this is we're doing this is good way, in the world. Way better. <laughs> this is way way better because it, like. I had I have a I didn't haven't had a chance to like write down all my thoughts, but I'm ready to like discuss all the things I like about this episode. Oh my god! Like uh, a, I think uh, in, in, instead of like chastising you for uh, for uh, watching uh, the rest of the series, it's like you are to me. It feels like it's saying like you're doing a more revolutionary thing by watching uh, you know a, a black man in charge, mm. uh, like all of the, these things where he's having to make harder decisions and you know, confront things day to day and be a leader. This is more, this is an important thing. I I feel, I feel much more, I feel better about having watched the rest of the series, having watched this episode. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, yeah. it's a total opposite of what you expected. It is a complete opposite, and I feel like an idiot for for having skipped it for so <laughs> no, long. No, no, it shouldn't. Because I, I know what you're talking about with that trope, but it's fucking annoying. And a lot of the time it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like cheap cop outville. I think yeah. of like what is it, Roseanne, when they're like, "Oh, uh, it was all a dream," and Dan's dead. Like, yeah. What the fuck? First of all, I don't want a Roseanne with no Dan, and second of all, no. Well, now you've got a Roseanne without Roseanne. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I would much true. rather have Dan than Roseanne. That is correct. What other Roseanne, Roseanne, Roseanne and Dana? Yeah. There's Roseanne, um, Roseanne Dana. this the whole. <laughs> The whole season of Dallas that was just a dream because they got an actor to come back. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there oh. an episode of Archer that was a dream too? There's three seasons of or Archer season? that are uh, that are just dreams. Oh, like coma yeah. dreams or something, yeah. right? Yeah, they actually they just came back from him being out of a coma. Oh shit! Yeah, right. there's um. Spoilers well, well, for Archer most, season ten, I guess. Perhaps I most like inf- twelve or something. Yeah, uh. perhaps most infamously, the whole of New Heart. Mm-hmm. Was a dream that Bob Hartley was having. Yeah, that I I forgive because you know that's, that's just funny. That's just funny. Well, yeah. and also that might have literally been the first time that ever happened instead of like the four millionth. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I always say all series should end with Bob Newhart waking up in bed next <laughs> to his funny. wife. That's how they should have ended. Lost. <laughs> Point. <laughs> that would be pretty great. Uh, Bob Newhart wakes up, and then they they pull back, and Bob Newhart is inside of a uh, snow globe. A snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking okay. of so, the yeah. of the, it's a dream, possibly brought on by prophets. Probably everything was done by prophets for, to to begin with. I know there was an idea that the writers kicked around and they decided, no, let's never do this. This is a terrible idea. Was to have Benny Russell appear in the series finale, which we're going to get to in a season and a half. 
Mm. And then it will be like, oh, was all of this something that the prophets did? Was all of Star Trek created by the prophets? And spoilers, that's not what's going to happen in the finale. So, <laughs> well, thank yeah, you. they were they were going to not just do your trope justice. They were going to do it to the whole franchise. <laughs> yeah. Well, seriously. Uh, Holy shitballs. And I mean, uh, we do get uh, more Benny Russell, though, so we haven't seen the last of him. That would not oh, be the only exciting. kind of profits they would see disappear uh, through a wormhole. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, nailed it. I want an episode where the uh, profits decide to fuck with Cisco at the same time the holosuite goes wrong. So we get Bashir's James Bond program and Benny running around together oh, no. in the ultimate cluster fuckery. <laughs> Yeah. Julius, I think, I th what are you doing here? Julius? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, his fucking outfit was amazing. Cool. Uh, Bashir's with his little ascot and his. Oh, yeah. His, oh, his, his was cigarette holder. What is it? What does a, a British sci fi author look like in the 50s? Yeah. That. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. This heavy uh, this episode, episode, though. Yeah, very heavy, and uh, I just I want to I want to sing its praises because it's so good. It really is, and really, still, as we were saying, depressingly relevant. Yeah, yeah. Well, Twenty five odd years later. I was just thinking that when you were describing the episode, Jake, that the scene where Jake Cisco, what is his name? In? Is Jimmy. it Jackie? Jimmy. 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 Um, when Jimmy meets his end. It's like Cisco is literally, or Benny is literally like, he was just breaking into a car. You didn't have to kill yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. And all weapon. I could think of was fucking George Floyd. Exactly. Like, yeah. all I could think yeah. was, like, what the fuck? He was near a car. He maybe had a counterfeit bill. Why the fuck would you kill him? Yeah. Like, it was, that was rough. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. the, like you said, the, the beating just kept going. Oh, my God. The scene where they're, yeah, where they're beating up on Benny, it was like at least. I don't even know. It, it felt like it was 100 years long. I'm sure in reality, it was only like two seconds too long, but it felt just, God. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, though, with that. And um, uh, that scene, uh, uh, like uh, that liminal thing they, uh, they do between where they're kind of halfway between Deep Space Nine and halfway between the 1950s. And like you see, uh, you see Mark Alamo and... Uh, Wayun and Ducat actually like throwing punches uh, at the same time, but there's also that scene where uh, he's having the dance with Darlene, or not Darlene, uh, with um, Cassie. Cassie, and the, it, 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 a single shot where they they have the dance and then they're dancing in uh, Deep Space Nine, and he slowly mm. realizes that he's back and forth. Those both of those scenes so good, uh, so yeah. uh, like. Extremely well choreographed, better than any uh, fight choreography that you see in any other Star Trek. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it like, like so beautifully thought out as yeah. it steps through it. Ugh. The credit that I can give Avery Brooks, like it's going to be, a, it's an understatement no matter what, because he directed this whilst acting in basically every single scene. And yeah, giving yeah. us some of his best acting ever. Yeah, I he mean, did amazing. That fucking panic attack, hyperventilation. I've, I mean, I've literally fucking done that. That's exactly what that, at least from what I remember, was like. Yeah, so they like, pull out this this episode and they're like, okay, who's going to direct it? And they're all like, well, the op, it has to be Avery Brooks. The only way to do this episode is to have someone direct it who has experienced racism. And he has a great quote, and the quote's going to be like, 
so prescient that it's stupid. Because this is a quote from like 2000-ish. And the line is, If we had changed the people's clothes, this story could be about right now. What's insidious about racism is that it's unconscious. Even among these bright and enlightened characters, a group that includes a woman writer who has to use a man's name to get her work published, and who was married to a brown man with a British accent in 1953, it's perfectly reasonable to coexist with someone like Pabst, Pabst being Odo's character. It's in the culture, it's how people think. So that was the approach we took. I never talked about racism, racism. I just showed how these intelligent people think, and it all came out of them. Oh, and he could he could have said Goosebumps. that freaking today as well. It's like why? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, speaking of Kira, I'm I'm guessing that her her nom de plume was a reference to DC Fontana because it was it was like Casey something. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That and um oh there was another one. Catherine, I want to say Moore was another sci-fi writer in the in the general time who had to go by her initials to hide the fact that she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, to a certain extent, you even still see that today when... Um, Hell, I do it. Mm, Nora Roberts... Oh, yeah. ...published a series of sci-fi novels as J.D. Robb for the longest mm. time. And, and now everyone knows it's her, but they're still published under J.D. Robb for marketing purposes, but it's her photo on the back. Yeah, but once I found out so it, was, I, it was a woman, I decided that I hate that series. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. You know, I, I wonder how much of it was just... You know, because it's like, all right, so I want to write this sci-fi book, but I'm known as a sort of a romance novelist, so I'll need a fake name. But, you know, I think it's telling that she used initials and not a fake woman's name. Yeah. Definitely. And it's also like, I mean, again, just look at, you know, just, just, again, the issue with having a lead that isn't a big straight white man. Like, how many people were losing their shit about Discovery before it even aired just based on the casting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Probably not Alleged as many as, fans who have no place in this fandom. I say not as many as would have been if the internet was more prevalent, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't imagine how bad it would have been, you know, had the internet been what it is now in 1993. Well, and think about how many people have, like, been absolutely bullshit about Discovery in this day and age. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So imagine, I can't imagine like how bad it would have been. Yeah, no, way worse. Uh, way worse. I'm, I'm sure the nascent internet was, you know, who knows? Yeah, no, I'm pretty but. sure there were, you know. Conservatives finding themselves in Star Trek. It's real. It's yeah. real. <laughs> oh, God. That's true. Somebody was on Usenet shitting a brick about a, there's going to be a black captain? What? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but then, like, but in addition to just being, like, a such a well-told story, this is such a well-done technical episode, too. Mm. Yeah. I, I already talked about the, the editing on those uh, those two uh, scenes, but there's... Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's a the, treasure trove of little moments. Like, I, yeah, I, 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 I also watched it twice, and I was, like, up against our fucking big screen TV... Because it's so sadly DS9 isn't high def. It drives me nuts. Uh, yeah. Trying to read all the post-it notes, because I read that there are a whole bunch of like instances of post-it notes in the office set that would have been like notes from Pabst, who's an ass, like telling the writers like how to do their writing. Like one of them would have been uh, to Macklin, who was the O'Brien character. Four laws of robotics is too many. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a joke on Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics, because that's hilarious. 
And there was one on Quark, who was uh, Rossoff, his desk, that said, no one would believe that a cheerleader could kill vampires. Speak <laughs> 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 nice. of the devil. Yeah. I noticed, I didn't check for post-it notes, but I noticed that we had a, a moodometer. <coughs> I loved it. Uh, I loved it. In the background. And, and it, it was changed. Turned, it was dialed. Oh, did oh it? I didn't notice it the change. Every I only day. saw it dialed up to red. Well, there you go. See? Like the detail, uh, I love it. Like the like, just watch like watching what oop. folks on a set do with things. Like it's always so so fun. Did you notice that they were at Arthur Trill Publishing? Jake yeah, noticed that. that there yeah. was a nice sign out front. I thought that was fun. Yeah, but speaking of which, I actually felt that uh, that Dax Dax's character kind of got shafted, right? Yeah, like, I, he didn't <laughs> show up until very late, and she had to be a, just a ditzy broad. Oh, it almost oh, felt she's like she's got a woman. Gross. It, yeah. it does kind of feel like they were almost making fun of how they had written Dax for like the oh. first season or two. If that's true, <laughs> I enough. love it. She's got a worm in her belly. But yeah, the, the, like the only like non super feminine thing about her is that she reads science fiction. Right. <laughs> yeah. I really the one thing I'm disappointed about is that we didn't get to see Martok's version of a Cardassian. Oh, oh yeah. Because I love I love the like b-50s take on ds9 because it's like yeah this is probably roughly what they would have done if you told a 50s guy like all right so it looks like this so i just want to see like what would his you know especially considering he's an illustrator and wouldn't have been constrained by needing it to have a human inside Mm. so like what would his drawing of a cardassian have just a long snake with legs yeah seriously like it's probably soby lizard with armor yeah Also, that his shirt was something else. Yeah. Like, at oh, first yeah, you don't see because he's got a smock on, but then there's a wide shot where he's got the smock off, and it's this wonderful, like, it's it's so akin to the thing Doc puts Marty in to send him back to the Old West in 1955. Yes. That's why I was getting big cowboy vibes from it, I bet. It, yeah, oh it was very God. much a 50s, quote-unquote, Western Okay, thank shirt. you, because I really, I was like, that just feels very cowboy. It made mm. me also wonder, like, is this how much of this is like how they would have been writing stories? Because basically they're yeah, given I wondered a, that too. They're given a picture, and then they have to come up with the story to go with the picture. And I'm like, that should be the other way around. Well, maybe that's why they we have the phrase a picture being worth a thousand words. Maybe that's it. Maybe that literally <laughs> is how it used to work. Yeah, you get one picture, I think and need to ridiculous. write a thousand words. <laughs> that's funny that you because like uh, for those in the know uh ames and i have uh, been in writing things uh, together for we've done this for like 20 years or something and uh oh god yeah uh, yeah it's been a long time but we uh like you're like you should uh, you should get the picture from the writing if i saw a picture i could definitely like pull out a story like that i feel like i could uh, that would be the way i would want to work oh yeah i feel like i've done that in a whole bunch of creative writing classes is yeah. like here's a, here's just a prompt for you guys to play with go write something and we'll play with it tomorrow yeah, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be super surprised if back, you know, because back in the day, you got your, especially like a, a science fiction magazine back in the 50s when there were a ton of them. Like, yeah, you'll have submissions, but in theory, you don't always have enough. So you probably would have some regulars on staff and you'd have some sort of like inspirational type thing. But yeah, I, I was wondering, too, if that was at all how any of them actually worked. Well, I also fun. imagine Speaking that of, like in the in the production of a magazine like that um you know where they're usually just cranking out issues and cranking out stories every month yeah uh, that the art actually probably might even take longer to do sometimes than Mm. than the writing 
it's not too hard to put ass to paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was actually a question I had in Ames. I was wondering if maybe your research had turned anything up. The magazine Benny buys at the start. Was it Galaxy? Galaxy? Yeah, that's a real magazine. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, it was a real. Oh, wow. So that was probably a real cover then. Uh, I don't know if the cover was real. I know oh. I know the art department just went nuts on all like the other stuff that you see like around the office and the and the drawings that Martok whips out and all these things. So because I had thought that maybe it was um like they would have had to have added the rocket in the background, but I thought maybe it was just an old TOS Starbase picture because it looks a lot like an old TOS Starbase. <laughs> oh, I mean they I could they could have done the art that to look that way. Yeah, I know yeah. somewhere they use the art from because I saw this on the Memory Alpha from uh, I want to say Court Martial when they're on that station. They use some art from that for something. It may have been that, perhaps. Maybe, yeah, because I feel like a lot of the a lot of the TOS star bases were that. It was like a couple of towers and like a space needle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm picturing so it they, now, and yeah, that's the one that I just saw the picture of. Okay, yeah, that's. I was like, is that? I'm pretty sure that's a TOS star base. Yeah, but the really wild thing about the writing room that we see is. It sounds like it's probably very like the writing room at Deep Space Nine because when they when they basically tell Benny, okay, make it a dream, change your story entirely because it's what we want, and that's exactly what they did with this script to the writer who wrote it because mm. the the writer you know sends in this pitch and basically it would have been very very different. It would have had Jake Sisko going back in time and meeting a bunch of sci-fi writers and then learning at the end. That it's the it's the fuck it's the really really tired trope of oh it was just aliens who want to know what people are like that we've seen eight thousand oh. times already. Mm. Well, how very TOS of them. <laughs> yeah, and I guess they were kicking it around, kicking it around, and saying, "Oh wait, what if it's Ben? And what if it's like about racism?" And they bring it back to the writer and like, "Okay, rewrite your story like this," which is just what they do to Benny. <laughs> I mean, except in this case, I think they got a better episode out of it. <laughs> Like, you look at that, you're like, yeah, it does explain. I was kind of wondering, though, it's like, I mean, obviously it had to be Ben, but I was sitting there being like, it's funny that he's a writer because I, you know, I associate that with Jake. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it started that way does make a lot well, more sense. Jake's a journalist. And as, as Ben Sisko makes very clear, he's not a journalist. He's a or he's not a reporter. He's a writer. <laughs> well, Jake, Jake's both. He he, can, he starts know, off with fiction. I know, I, the, I know. the journalism is to kind of like keep himself in practice and that's true. Maybe make money if that's a thing. The, the economy some makes no sense. Um, Gold but Latinum. they also, I think part of the reason they did that, I remember reading once, was because they wanted him to be uh, Hemingway-esque. And Hemingway, while a fiction author, had also done some war correspondence during the either World War One or the Spanish Civil War or something. Like, uh, yeah. Or maybe the Spanish-American War? When is Something like that. The War of 1812. War. Yeah. The big one. The Franco-Prussian War. Yes. Yes. The Sino-Russian War. Vietnam. Hundred uh, years war. The Cardassian occupation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of wondered if this was based on anyone real, because I know nothing about baseball, especially, especially historical baseball, but just the sort of the, the exchange between... Um, um, Willie Hawkins? Hawkins and, and uh, I think it was... Cassie about you know why don't you live you know in a in a fancier neighborhood oh, right, he's yeah. like he's like look 
they barely want me on the field. I'm I'm gonna stay right here. Plus, when people look at me, it's because they admire me. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. and then like, and then he goes and hits on four women until a whole swarm of children break that up. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It was hilarious. It. His character was a delight, but uh, but yeah, I kind of wondered. Like, I wonder if that was something you know based on an anecdote from say Robinson or one of the other early uh, integrated players. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna say almost definitely, but it wasn't in my research. But I'm certain you're right. <laughs> So we were talking about this. We were wondering if Shimmerman's character, what was his name? Rossov. Thank you, Rossov, who, oh. Well, definitely Russian then. Yes. If he was supposed to, like Armin Shimmerman, be Jewish, which is maybe why he was a little more vocal about things with Benny, because, you know, especially this close to World War II having ramped up, like I he's think, maybe yeah. a bit more left wing. And, and I mean, Odo outright calls him a pinko oh, at one point. So yeah. you calling me he a is, red? He's some kind of leftist, even if he isn't a communist. Mm. Yeah, the one thing I did notice that I could see, despite the lack of HD, was all the newspapers just said nothing but Red Scare, like Red Scare mm. headlines and shit on them. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that, that, that's this time. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much right. Well, you can imagine, like, even if he were, you know, a communist or, or a sympathizer, just just the the accusation from. You know, from uh, Paps that uh, yeah. that, he, that he was a you know that's why he gets so defensive because that would be the end of his career. Oh yeah, well, and possibly his life. I mean, yeah. and he and he really can't under under um under state. state thank you, understate. Like how much the Red Scare was similarly like any kind of progressive cause was just immediately you know by the general public latched to communism, so it was automatically bad. See today, where to quote the internet, everything left of eating babies is called socialism. <laughs> mm, I've heard that. Not my line. Can't remember whose it is. So yeah, that's that's always running in the background too, and it's it's important. They do a great job, like with the era, like that. That's yeah. where all like so much of my applause goes to. Yeah, it's. I I think he did it really well. That it was so like, like you said, it was more the sort of casual day to day sublimated stuff like they had it been more heavy-handed it probably wouldn't have been as good it would have felt more like an after-school special yeah somewhere in my research they even said that uh avery brooks was like one of only two of the directors they've worked with that like came in to like listen to like the music editing and shit like the other one being lavar burton which doesn't surprise me either just to be like okay what music would they have been listening to in the 1950s what music would um cassie and benny be dancing to in their in their room like, just going over every little detail to make sure it all fit together to make the perfect story. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I'm very impressed, though, that they understood the importance of having a director who dealt with racism. Like, I feel like that's still something that you would probably need to explain to showrunners and studio heads sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like they would be, like... The fact that we live in a world where Black Panther was directed by a black man is borderline astonishing. Hmm. You know, like yeah. they could have just as easily given it over to fucking Ron Howard. Choss Whedon. <laughs> um, again, just speaking to things that. Like, we're still doing this, really? You know, I was actually I was telling Caitlin the story this morning for all fucking so bad. Uh, recently, there was a, a round of award nominations. It's award season. I don't know which one it was. 
but there were an unprecedented number of Asian actors nominated. And when I say Asian, I mean from all realms of the continent. Uh, not that it would have been any better either way, but this just makes it even worse oh, somehow. God, the Hollywood one. Reporter thought a good headline would be Asian actors Ooh. break through the bamboo ceiling. Oh, oh no. no. Wow. wow. Like, someone had to write that. It someone had to approve, approve it. it. Someone had to poke. Like, the number of people that looked at that and went, this is fine, before putting it on Twitter. It this lasted is, uh, maybe 30 minutes, which is about 29 minutes longer than it should have. Uh, and this is, like, legit one of the first things I heard this morning upon waking. Chris Chris told me that shit, and I screamed and laughed and then screamed some more and was like, are you fucking kidding me? Who the fuck thought that was a good idea? I was like, what, was rice paper taken? Aww. Like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, what are you, fucking idiots? Like, are you serious? I couldn't fucking believe it. I, like, I just... So, yeah, I mean... Imagine just, thinking that that's, like, a super okay idea. The casual racism I mean, in it doesn't even make inter- sense. No. No shit. It's just no. a thing that I know about yeah. Asian people in Asia is bamboo. Jake, so. I don't know if you know this, but only white people use glass. <laughs> Wow. The rest of the world has to use something else. Sorry. Man, man, I I sure hate being here in Asia where all the windows are made out of wood. <laughs> uh, bamboo, specifically. It's obviously. all, it's Which all is like technically, I think, China. a type of grass. But so, Deep Space Nine. Actually, before we get back to Deep Space Nine, uh, I was thinking uh, uh, about other uh, other episodes of television that have made me that have like uh, turned on me uh, in this way and i and, and that made me feel like this episode if you haven't seen uh, i am which i think is the seventh episode of lovecraft county oh uh, yeah 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 yes or seventh or eighth episode of lovecraft county which is this a beautiful science fiction story about a black woman traveling through time multiple uh, eras oh, of time that's, that that episode it, is brilliant. That is one of the best episodes of television I've seen in the last there are, decade. There are episodes of te- television or movies or things that just make make me angry because it means after I've seen them, I don't get to see them for the first time again. <laughs> yeah, and that's it makes me enraged that they're that good. <laughs> there is also something just so wonderful about taking Lovecraft and making it a story about a black woman. <laughs> yes, everything about that uh, st- series that makes me like, oh, Lovecraft would hate this, and that makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it, but I've heard a lot of good it's things. A, it's a good it series. is yeah, it's I think so like good. It for sure. Yeah, and that episode especially, I, I think you will enjoy uh, immensely. It is incredible. But yes, now we can get back to DS9. <laughs> other other sci-fi stuff that's really, really fun. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Was... Sorry, that was there. Did anything you trying to like? So one thing that really like was like, oh shit, was of course uh, Jake dropping the hard R. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that something they had to fight to let? Like, did, did anyone try to keep them from doing that, or did they like, no, no, go for it? It's part of the thing. When he uses the N word. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Um, I don't know. I know that people definitely noticed. Uh, and I feel like there were other installations where they probably censored it out. Also, something that Deep Space Nine, or something that Star Trek in general never does, is they never say like things like, Jesus Christ, or for Christ's sakes, and shit like that. And they censored that out too, someplace. And it's like, oh, okay, good, good job, I was, guys. I was saying to Caitlin, like, oh, wow, Christ's sakes. And then it was like, oh, that is, uh, <laughs> that is now less shocking. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. We were blown away by that. And then Jake Sisko dropped his end bomb and we were like, well, fuck. I mean, it's it's obviously important to have in there, I think. Oh, um, it was huge. And it was. And it was. But it's used powerful. effectively. You know, yeah. it's like you, also, you get yeah. you get one and they used it surgically. And I think really well. Exactly. And yeah. it would have been like it's so of that time, too, that that's what. In the 1953, like saying that word in that context would have been like, yeah, they would have would have done that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I've been wondering if there'd been any kind of like you know cause, pushback. Yeah, yeah, they definitely it, did, oh, they the definitely irony. did it very on purpose and very methodically. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of thought that went into how and when and who and such. Yep, yep, yep. Interesting how the um, the writing in Star Trek has evolved over the years, because now we get such poignant and effective lines is yum yum i like oh, science i like <laughs> i like robots uh, i like turtles i did like that o'brien's writer was the one who really liked robots well he was ba- he was basically isaac asimov yeah that seemed mm-hmm. to be the which is kind of funny i would like to have known i think because they kind of talked a little bit like kira writes stories about women like Powerful women. Right? Yeah, and, and Jules is a, an eroticist. And, and never really Quark likes the trash. <laughs> <laughs> he polishes that uh, turd. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to have seen, uh, gotten a little bit more about what they're, but that, that wasn't the point, I realized. But it would be interesting to know, you know. No, but they did I know it's a novelization, did, maybe that gets into it. Yeah, they did a good job of making sure each of them had kind of a very interesting personality, a very interesting take. Yeah. Uh, ver- varying levels of how much they kind of support Benny versus just kind of sit and watch. Yeah. There was a, a I noticed in my second watch that two or three times I don't want to say Asimov uh, Macklin loses his matches and, uh, yeah. and can't figure out where to, like how does like uh, light his pipe. I'm like, what is yeah. this? A re- is this a reference <laughs> to something? Well, and he literally never finishes a sentence. Like, yeah. never. I mean, How is he a writer? Of, like that absent-minded vibe. Yeah, <laughs> he's got bongos at one point. Yeah, there's random weird. bongos. I, I wasn't sure what that was about, but who knows? Maybe these are just things Asimov it's did. A I don't know. Weird guy. <laughs> oh, sadly, they wanted uh, Casey Biggs to be something. Casey B- Biggs being the guy that plays uh, Demar. Demar. Mm. Uh, but he was not available for this episode. Oh, mm. sad face. Yeah, they should have had. Um, oh my god! What? They, so the people from the I'm assuming the people that carted off um, <gasps> should have been Louise Fletcher. It should have been Louise Fletcher. Oh, oh, been great! Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> Wait, what am I missing? Help me. Uh, she Louise played Fletcher, Nurse Ratched yeah. in. Uh, Oh, she plays oh, Kai oh, yeah, Wynn in this, yeah, yeah. and she was Nurse Ratched in. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that would have been good. too perfect. I would have, I would have yeah. shit myself. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show up and just be a kind of surly nurse? Why? <laughs> <laughs> no reason. On second thought, yeah, you know I'm why. sure the actress would have said no to that. <laughs> no, I think she, I think for this episode, it, she would have loved it. Yeah. Probably. Anyone else notice that Benny had a globe hanging from his ceiling? Yeah, I did notice that. I wasn't hmm. sure what that was about. Maybe just so he looks up at the planet. He's a sci-fi writer. Sci-fi yeah, stories. it makes yeah, sense. I, thought it was, I just thought it was fun. And it's very, like, UFO-looking lamp. Where else would you put it? Oh, yeah, I loved that. <laughs> it made me think of uh, his lamp movie. Definitely think of, like, the uh, the Enterprise saucer and such, which I'm sure it was meant to Ooh. do. But I still appreciated That's it. That's nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, his, I actually thought he has a real. He had a really nice apartment. He did. All in all, it was actually pretty nice digs, considering. Yeah. Good bachelor pad. Yeah. But yeah, his breakdown at the end is just heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah. well done. I know, especially yeah. since a he's directing himself. <sighs> yeah. The assistant director basically said, "Like, like we called cut, but he kept going. <laughs> he wouldn't stop." And I, can't tell problem it, and I can't make Avery, him stop. I imagine. <laughs> he is the director and the, and the star, so he just he just went. <laughs> We're gonna give him something to work with in the editing bay. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, that was a beautiful scene, and I feel like, I don't know, probably doesn't get enough credit, because I feel like you, know, you hear all the time about some of the great scenes from TNG, and like I feel like that's up there with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Are you kidding? Definitely. Yeah, like I, I mean, almost, was... I feel snubbed because the this episode got Emmys for or Emmy Emmy noms for art direction, costume design, hairstyling, which they do every freaking year. Every year, mm. like like I went through the Emmy list of like everything they win, and it's always like sound, costume, makeup, sound, costume, makeup, visual effects, sound, and it's never like the big stuff. And and this I think is totally worthy of. All of the accolades. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's just because that's that's just an inherent bias that prestige assholes have against comedy and genre. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like genre television and film comedy. Like there are some beautifully acted comedies, but they don't nominate them for acting awards. You know, genre very rarely gets the big nods. I mean, you know, it, it was The Shape of Water that uh, broke through the anime waifu pillow ceiling uh, by getting Best Picture and being oh, I genre. Get it. I got what you, Okay, god damn it. Sorry, I didn't have a good one planned and I was coming up to the X and I was like, fuck, what's a nerd thing? Uh, awesome. You don't want to know what my plan B was. Uh, so... Yeah, like that's that's a whole different set of biases that still is. Yeah, mostly, you know, I, I think you still don't see a lot of acting nods for genre stuff, except from the genre specific award yeah, yeah, groups. Like Hugo Awards and all this thing. Yeah. Like this. Well, I also wonder, though, at this point. Had Holly Berry won her like best actress yet? Uh, Monsters Ball was. That would have been 2000, 2001. This. It would have been um, right around that time. This was 1998. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I would say it was probably snubbed for exactly the reasons uh, Benny might not have got published, because as much as we like to pretend that, you yeah, know, well, we're definitely, yeah, so like much more woke and shit, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, yeah. a black person couldn't get a fucking nod, and yeah, well, even when a goddamn film wins a goddamn best film, they call the wrong film up. And, uh, you know, I just I don't mean to be cynical, but I'm cynical. That, well, I mean, I mean, that sucked, but I still feel like that was not. No, that was a mistake. No. But but some people, I think, genuinely think there was like some weird conspiracy there. Oh, there's no conspiracy. It was a mistake, but it was yeah, a fucking stupid. Guys, a thousand years old. <laughs> but yes, you're right there. There would have if if the genre bias aside that. Probably would have reared its ugly head too. I had one so, thing I, I did want to th bring up as a as a minor gripe or minor something that I kind of think thought th should have had like some more impact for me or something, and that's that. So the whole thing that kind of like sets this into into motion is Cisco's friend Quentin Swarford dies. Wofford. Yeah, that's and Wofford. it's someone we've never met. It's someone someone we ha we care nothing about. And Cisco just basically 
crumbles. Like it, it feels like it was probably like a a straw that breaks the camel's back kind of a thing. Like yeah, I've had so much pressure on me. Now Quentin's dead, and goddamn my life. And now oh, I have a new life. Um, but I felt like it needed to be something I cared about. And my yeah. first thought was kill joe because <laughs> i'm a monster if yeah, i mean what? if they'd killed joe like as part of a war thing that would have been really really heavy and then having him appear be in the, appear in the vision and like talk about the uh, the writings and what he has to do that would have been very powerful but i it's also kind of uh kind of like uh, uh, uh frigging joe yeah, yeah. yeah. it also would have like it would be very weird if there was if you kill off someone that's very important to the main character and then don't take the episode to to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cuz I feel like at that point you would need to have just a second episode oh. of I mean this could have been a two-parter. I would not have complained if this was a yeah. two-parter cuz I think there's enough stuff in here. Yeah. But so, honestly uh, like that I I think that kind of dovetails with with kind of my I don't even know if I'd call it a gripe about this episode, um, but it does. It feels very shoehorned. You know, there, it it doesn't it, it it knowing the history of the, you know, the original pitch that it was just, you know, a Jake meets aliens in time travel episode makes makes it make a little more sense as to how it it doesn't. They don't really tie it in with really anything. Uh, yeah, there's really the 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 fight for equality and the Dominion War. Like they're both fights, they're very different kinds of fights. Well, also, I mean, I think the the implication is that it's the prophets, right? You know, yeah, you yeah. Have, we have the priest, you know, talking about the prophets. So the, yeah, I know, felt like is, he was a prophet. Yeah, mm. but the prophets don't act like that. You know, that's that, that, true. They don't talk. They don't. They they they, they don't make sense. They don't make sense. <laughs> I mean, this actually, to me, feels less like an alien intervention and more just like, you know, a, a psychological break for for Cisco. I mean, who knows? Maybe he did and they were trying to fix it. Yeah. Maybe. I also have only like the vaguest rem uh, memories of what else happens through the rest of the series. Mm. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that we're going to explore more of since, you know, in Rapture we saw... Cisco had a lot of like weird shit happening in that the prophets mm. were in his brain, driving him out of his mind, making him have visions of obelisks and shit. And this is kind of like the second instance of that happening. And then he's just probably I, I can only assume we're going to see a little bit more of this. Yeah. And no, no spoiler. But yeah, <laughs> I will say, though, clearly when a captain's having a really bad day and thinking maybe I should just drop it all. He just needs to visit with some aliens that give him crazy visions to fix his mood. That's right. Because that was literally the cage. <laughs> <sighs> Captain oh, Pike was in a shitty mood and he met some illusion aliens. And then he was like, maybe I will stay in Starfleet. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I When's, think uh, we're, we're running up on time. Here, I know. So. Oh, we don't need to talk a, about One a, Little Ship. Well, uh, excuse me. Uh, Iggy Pop is in One Little Ship. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, was that what? him again? Iggy Pop is in One Little Ship, yeah. He, that was him again? He's the Vorda sure? that, yeah, that's talking uh, to them over the No, screen. that's a that's different Vorda. We, we saw the Iggy Pop episode a few weeks ago. He, it was definitely him in this one. I don't oh. think so. Uh, well, I'm going to look, so uh, everybody, everybody calm down. 
Oh, oh, one last thing about this, though, because you mentioned Joe does seem to imply he is not long for this world, though. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Because well, when they man. mention like he finally visited, it's like, well, if not now, probably never. Mm-hmm. It's like, Jesus, Joe. <laughs> well, it could just be that he's being realistic because he's old. No, I know. But Jesus, Joe. The um, but yeah, I don't know. I think if there's one thing that this episode shows us is and I think DS9, this is something that DS9 as a whole uh, really says, and that's that you know the more things change, the mm. more they stay the same. Yeah, one um, little ship is fun in a stupid way. Yeah. So okay. So <laughs> after all of that, our next episode we'll be talking about is called One Little Ship. Wait, wait, let me get my neck brace for the whiplash. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the title pretty much says it all. But uh, here's the summary. So for reasons, the <laughs> defiant is out exploring some spatial anomaly. Why wasn't this a fucking Voyager episode? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we're exploring a spatial anomaly. And they the 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 particular thing about this anomaly is if you fly into it or if you put something into it, it compresses it. Um, essentially, as I understand it anyway, removing uh, the space between particles, uh, like elemental particles, like the protons sure. get closer to the neutrons. I don't know. Anyway, I think that's you, how pim particles work. Sure. So, <laughs> so you, it makes you smaller. It's a sh- it's a sh- it's a shrinky dink machine. Let's see what then what. So uh, yeah. So the so Dax and O'Brien and Bashir are on the runabout and they're gonna fly into this thing um, for reasons because I think they can use it for something. I don't fucking remember. Anyway, um, so they fly into it. They get small. And the the Defiant's hanging on to him with a tractor beam. They can pull him out, and they'll get big again when they fly out. But right then and there, who shows up? The Jem'Hadar. Whoopsie. Womp womp. Sons of bitches. So the Jem'Hadar show up. They attack the Defiant. They disable the Defiant and board it and take everybody prisoner. And normally this would be a really big fucking deal. Uh, But good thing we have three crew members on a runabout that are tiny because <laughs> they can do things. So yeah, so what happens is they fly out of the anomaly on their own instead of the normal way, and it turns out that, oh, if you don't fly out of it in the exact same way you went in, you stay small. Uh, so they they fly in through the Defiance tailpipe and... Uh, Doggy door. And they, and they fly mm. in and they see, oh shit, the Jem'Hadar are here. They've taken over the ship. We got to help everybody. So uh, they do, and and there's a whole thing where like the Defiant crew are being forced to fix the ship so that they can capture it, I guess. And don't forget the infighting. But they're yeah, they're, they're oh yeah. There's also this like yeah. caddy thing going on between the the Jem'Hadar first so and second. Weird. Because the first is a new breed of Jem'Hadar that was bro- born in the Alpha Quadrant, making him an Alpha. And the second is a one of the old school uh, honored elders, at least eight years old, and he's he was born in the gamma quadrant, making him a gamma, and and wow. So yeah, it's a it's a battle. Uh, but but really, the first just makes terrible decisions. <laughs> so many. And uh, yeah, so the the crew on the little ship that's now floating around inside the big ship. They help out. They they do some shit. They there's a whole like uh, honey, I shrunk this kid's playset scene where they're inside of a computer panel and they're moving around little wires that are giant and and then they have to 
Then they have to ride on an ant to get back <laughs> to the house. Yep. They find him in their cereal. Yeah, and they're going to whip the, but then the, the ant gets something happens and then the lawnmower comes on. And they have to whistle because dogs can hear that. And then they ride in the dog's fur and then they're going to get eaten. And it's really weird. Um, uh, did you already mention that? I don't know. If I was trying to pay attention, but I was looking up the actor. But it was also this uh, episode was apparently referred to as Honey, I Shrunk the Runabout behind the scenes. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. Yeah. It is. And they save the ship and they help the the crew that's not small stage a little uh, uprising against the the Jem'Hadar. And, and very easily take it back. <laughs> yeah, like the Jem'Hadar against several unarmed people. <laughs> And yeah. photon torpedoes oh, the yeah, size of your yeah, thumbnail. Tiny photon torpedoes. Man, that's got to suck, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one little ship. They take it back, make the ship bigger, I guess, again, off screen. Then there's a joke about... Uh, Two jokes. It's actually the same joke as at the end of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. When the guy tries to put the hat on and it's too big. Oh, that joke. I was thinking the poetry joke. The And the guy who tried to put the hat on was Rasmussen. Oh, that's right. So there's that connection hooray so we watched this episode several hours ago and i am still struggling with if it was fun dumb or dumb dumb i'll say this really rides that line one thing shocking shocking perhaps everyone i'm leaning towards dumb dumb that does shock me that does shock me actually one thing that i do give it a little bit of credit for because otherwise i would be like god uh gross is that the science advisor basically made them include that you won't be able to breathe oxygen outside the ship because fucking goddamn science work it into the script somehow and they did it was dumb but they did it (laughs) i just picture this show science advisor going home every night and opening a whole new big bottle of booze and just downing (laughs) it in one fucking go Oh, the best other thing is that in my in my big DS9 book, it opens up the discussion of this episode with, I think it's the one of the effects people who like makes the models, uh, the, the digital models and the other models and the physical models or one of the model guys. When they bring him this episode, his, re- his response was basically, oh, I was dreading when I'd eventually have to do this. <laughs> Uh, I, just to correct, yes, I, that was not Iggy Pop in this one. It's a guy who I'm looking at a photo of, and I would still tell you if I saw him <laughs> in real life that it was Iggy Pop. His name is Leland Crook. Hmm. But man, this guy looks like Iggy Pop. <laughs> I wonder if they wanted Iggy again and couldn't get him. Hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure this, this I thought, was the same Vorda from <laughs> the yeah. search. That looks like Iggy Pop. <laughs> he does. Yeah. and uh, But he apparently he also showed up on Enterprise uh, at one point. Was he also, but was that the same Vorta from the Let me search? click on him and I'll check. Uh, he out. shows up uh, uh, in um, Honor Among Thieves, which might be a later episode. Oh, that's episode. next week. Yeah, that's okay. literally next week. No, okay. No, so well, somebody else it's in not, the It's a different guy then. Yeah. Jesus, there's a lot of Vorta that look the same. Wow, you can't tell <laughs> Vorta apart, Jake. I mean, they're mostly not. clones, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It looks like he was in a show that with Tig Notaro, <gasps> Notaro at one Love point, Tig. too. What was the show? Uh, one Mississippi. Oh yeah, that's Tink's show. <laughs> so one thing that really annoyed the fuck out of me in this episode was that the way the runabout behaved was less like a vehicle being piloted by people and more like a little floating animal. Wait, wait, you hated that? 
I loved that. Like, it, was it was so was cute. cute, but it didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What about it? It's getting come, piloted. Come it like would peek around, like oh, which makes even less sense since they got the sensors That's working. True. Like they have all these freaking monitors showing them where everything is. Oh. Like it's stuff that you're looking at. Oh, that's kind of cute. But then you think about it, and you're like. But it's not an like that only makes sense if it is an animal and the windows are its eyes. <laughs> but it is a fucking runabout being piloted. Like, it's so stupid. You know what? No, I've decided. This episode's <laughs> dumb. I hate this Should, episode. I'm glad. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's right. I the guy that listed fucking Ferengi love songs oh, as a top last season. <laughs> this uh, I like this episode. Uh, I do remember this episode from my first uh, watch through, uh, and it's 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 really dumb, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> the, this rewatch, I think, maybe wore a little bit of the shine off the apple, but uh, it's yeah, it's fun, dumb. Yeah, I have but a be- it is very dumb. I have a better first line for Worf's poetry than what Worf came up with. <laughs> I came up with this when they first said he he's going to write Jadzia a poem about this adventure that they're going on. And the line I wrote is, the itsy-bitsy shuttle went up Jedzia's pouch. <laughs> she got a wine in her belly. Yeah, I don't... Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very hard to talk about this episode after fired, having just honest. talked about the other one. It really, like... here's the uh, So you referred to the tension between the newer Jem'Hadar and the old models. Which we're never going to see again, by the yeah. way. Yeah, it never comes up Perfect. again. Great. It's fucking stupid. That, if that had been the focus of the episode, the idea that, you know, that they've been tinkering, they've come up with this new model, they've decided the old one's sort of obsolete and they're letting them die off. Like, that could have been an interesting insight, again, into the way the, the minds of the founders and the Dominion work. Like, if that had been the focus and it had been, like, actual, like, reasonable arguments and not just the first is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but they also do some really interesting things, like, dis- despite what I think that the like the competition between the two was kind of dumb, but I thought it was very interesting, you know, when they had the scene where they were getting the white. Uh, yeah. when they're about you know they're doing the chant and he's like yeah fuck that shit you know yeah, uh, we're, white. we don't have we're, we're we don't need this bullshit i think that like they sowed the seeds right there of like a potential if not a solution to the dominion war but something that could have come back like you know all of it turns out that these new gem hadar are just inherently more independent and i well, they have say, initiative they have initiative and they and they make decisions and they're not you know, even though they are supposedly genetically predisposed to being, you know, worshiping the founders and, and obeying the Vorda, we find out, no, they're actually, these ones anyway, are actually free thinking. Which makes sense when you consider they probably started this program when they were still cut off. Mm. Yeah, it, it still doesn't make a ton of sense because, you know, they're all just genetically yeah. engineered. Seeing as it never goes anywhere. If yeah. it had gone somewhere, yeah. it would have been cool. But we and never see not, it again. It's we never, it was never brought up again, and I, I always felt like that was a huge... That's too bad, because I was really hoping it was going to come up, because, like... It's like you said, it... it, it oh. Because, again, like when you think about it, it's like, all right, we don't know if and when we're getting back to the Gamma Quadrant. We might need to make the Jem'Hadar a little more independent. And that's scary, but also necessary. And see, now the fact that this never comes up again makes me hate this episode even more. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine, like if there was a full-blown revolt, a mutiny yeah. of the Jem'Hadar. Like that would be insane. 
or even just like almost like a, you know, like if not a revolt, what if the, the factions just could not work together? Cause yeah. like, you know, the gammas are more religious. The alphas aren't in this and that. And ugh. I'm guessing that my, my head is going to be that, uh, this mission was deemed a failure nope. because the Vordok could already, I think, see that these two weren't getting along. So I'm, I'm going to say that the, 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 the alpha project gets scrapped. Oh, I see yeah. what you mean. Hmm. But especially now that they have more ready access to the Gamma Quadrant again. Yep, yep. Mm. Here's a random question that I had whilst, whilst watching this episode. Why do the Gamma Quadrant folks still call it the Gamma Quadrant when they probably think of themselves as the Alpha Quadrant. The Alpha Quadrant. That's, that's a, good a good point. point. Why do they use Greek letters at yeah. all? I mean, that's probably the translator. Well, it could all be the translator. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think, you know, from the, from the Schlieschla <laughs> Quadrant or the Blee Block. Oh, Christ. <laughs> well, it's the other quadrant. thing, though. Like, Defensive. it's convenient they even divided the galaxy into quadrants and not fifths yeah, or sixths of or something. Size. Yeah. Never thought of that. Kind of reminds me of Futurama when uh, they meet the them's from the box universe and they like they're fighting over who what. You know, it's like, oh, we're universe one, you're universe two. Yeah, how about we're universe A and you're universe one? Yeah. <laughs> like no one wanted to be the other one. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, everyone does just generally agree it's quadrants that I never thought of that. Well, I mean, I if you've ever played Simon. You know that dividing things into fours is, is good. Yeah, yeah. Especially a circle, it's easy. Yeah. Then yeah. again, so is dividing it into eights. Like, I, like I, a pizza. I just need to remember to tap this portion of the galaxy and then this portion <laughs> of the galaxy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> how fucking gargantuan the galaxy is. Quadrants is actually really stupid. Yeah, I mean... Getting across the alpha quadrant with at maximum warp could probably take decades. Oh, well, that's a different argument. This yeah. is a dumb episode. <laughs> that's a Voyager argument. <laughs> but yeah, I like, do seriously, think... Go ahead. Good. Sorry. No, I was going to move on to a slightly different thing. Please. And that's that uh, Rene Echeverria kind of looked, looked at this afterwards because this was all his fucking fault. He is a monster who apparently has been pitching this episode since TNG. And fucking Ira Bear finally caved and said, all right, let's do the tiny chip thing. But no, he says in hindsight, making it the Jem'Hadar was probably a bad idea because it, it, it didn't quite work for him or something. And he's like, maybe it should have been the Paclids, which I say, no, God, no, gross. No, hey, I think we... it should have been it should have been a joint team of Jem'Hadar and Cardassians. And then they could infight. And then they mm, could that would be interesting. Make sense. Uh, it should have been those dumb guys from that TNG episode where they don't know how to steal the ship. <laughs> that's the Packlands. Oh, that's the Packlands? Oh, okay. Yeah. We make ship go. No, no, wait. You mean the people that actually got on the ship but couldn't steal it? No, I mean, uh, did they get on? Yeah. The, the, really ones, the really dumb dopey guys, yeah. right? That kidnapped Jordy. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, no, that, that's the only way this episode could have been worse, was if it had been the Packlets. Well, here's another option. The option that Ira Bear said afterwards when he was like, you know what it should have been? It should have been a Harry Mud kind of a thing. And here's, here's what my ending would have been. The ending would have been Harry Mud gets away in a roundabout, flies into the anomaly, gets small. But then the Defiant captures him while he's small, and he's like this big, he's teeny tiny. And then Odo's line at the end of the episode can be, well, at least we won't have to feed him very much. <laughs> 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 
Okay, if it had actually been Harry Mudd, I maybe would have been on board. Like, not a Harry Mudd-ish character. But exactly I want him. Hardcore. And they can put him in one of uh, Miles Okona. <laughs> well, thanks to Short Treks, we now know that there are uh, robot uh, copies of Harry Mudd out there. Could have been one of them. The man could easily time travel. Everyone else does. Or he's just immortal. We don't know. Ooh. Ooh. Harry Mudd's a Q. <laughs> or a prophet. Mm. Or one of Kevin's species. Oh, yeah. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin what's Uxbridge. his last name? Uxbridge. Yeah. Uxbridge. He's an Uxbridge. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. God, this is a bad episode. It was <laughs> it's not that bad. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's, it's dumb, bad. but it's I think fun. It's, I think it's bad in comparison to Far Beyond the Stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's maybe the problem. If it had been, like, led into by any other episode, it maybe wouldn't seem so Yeah, so Ferengi bad. loves songs. No, I also noticed it was nominated for an Emmy for visual effects, which, you know, they did a lot of work. This was actually yeah, produced cool before stuff. Far Beyond the Stars to give them that, the time to do the the visual effects. I don't know if I noticed anything that was like, wow, that's the coolest thing. But what are you going to do? I like well, the idea I'll... that there's a little doggy door in engineering <laughs> behind which is fucking superheated plasma. Yeah, that <laughs> was weird. You just pop it open. That was weird. <laughs> like, when she said they're going to open it the old-fashioned way, I, I thought, thought they were going to have to blow it open. Yeah, no, that's what it. I thought. <laughs> Not ram it with your, like, uh, like head-butting the thing. Well, that's yeah. the other thing, too, is like, so later in the episode, they make a big deal about how she's going to press the button yeah. on the panel really carefully so it doesn't, you know, crash the ship. No, but no, then... it was crack the panel. Oh, oh, she didn't want to crack the panel. Oh, okay. The ship can but, take it. The question now, though, is like, what the hell do those panels like? I always assumed they were um... like capacitive, like a yeah, cell but phone what screen. I... Actually, I guess they could always somehow charge the hull. Anyway, that's I mean, I think yeah. metal would work. Yeah. But here's the thing. Do they weigh the same as much as they do big? Like, do, is that shuttle like thing? millions yeah. of pounds? <laughs> like they did mm. in that TAS episode that we hated so much? Well, I don't know. Just like, because the way they explain the shrinking process, it sounds like they're not losing any mass. Yeah. So theoretically, they should just they land should on still wet. Like when they land some on something, shit. it should just completely crush it. Just land on the Jim Hadar. Oh, like, yeah. Just like smashes Ooh. through their entire body. Well, I mean, I, I was I was kind of joking earlier, but that is a, always a problem with like, because I think that is sort of the idea of how pin particles work and that depending upon who's writing any individual issue of Ant-Man, he's technically supposed to weigh the same, hmm. but he clearly doesn't. Yeah. Oh, no. Unless the story calls for it. Unless he needs to like punch a, an enemy with like a bullet strength. That's yeah, then it's, yeah. So I will say use of weapons. Why didn't they just shoot the Jem'Hadar? Earlier? At the start. Yeah, good question. They wanted to be, I don't know, they wanted to sleuth it out first, I guess, well, and also see they if probably, Cisco's plan worked. And they mm. couldn't have taken them all at once, they were so tiny. Well, that's why you, you isolate, you find one on his own, and you just go beep. Yeah, get one of these, going to the can. It's like playing any stealth video game, you find okay, the isolated but, guy okay, first. Okay, but then, someone else finds him, they push the emergency button, there's a meeting, the next thing you know, they're telling you that you're sus, <laughs> and they're flushing, they're flushing you out the space shitter. Actually, that would have been a better episode. If the Jem'Hadar had, uh, had uh, dropped them into a lava pod. <laughs> no, no, if they had, like, 
they were taking people out gradually. And the Gemini are getting more and more paranoid about who did we miss? What's going on? Maybe they eventually do like turn on each other. Like you fucking Gamus. You're trying to, the, to ruin our identity. Yeah, oh, that do actually the transporters on the runabout work. They could just beam out a piece of their spinal cord or something of the Gemini. Oh God. Yeah, but then they couldn't have put it on primetime TV or whatever. That's <laughs> true. Just Jem'Hadar just starts like convulsing and collapse. Like, what happened? Oh, There's just like a pile of brain on the transporter pad. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to the special effects of the games, though, I will say like, the runabout always looked like it belonged there, so I'll give them that. Because mm. it very easily could have looked like... Really shitty? Yeah, poorly rotoscoped or green-screened or whatever else. Yeah, in. I guess so, they, they had a little model of it, like a little four-inch four model that was very cute. And they did all the scenes with the little model first, just to be like, okay, if it's over here, then the people over here can't see it. And then it flies over here, and they just, you know, like a little, a little fishing pole, just going around with this delightful. little model. And I guess they first showed, I want to say Ira Bear, probably the, the other people in the staff, the model by like hanging it off a roof until it like popped against their window in the, in their, in the office building. And they look out like, what the hell is going on? Which I think is adorable. I love it. If the people at Star Trek merchandising had any sense, they would sell a cat toy that's just a plush runabout on a string. I'd nice. buy it. Be like, hey. Also, there's a really good Star Trek Mario crossover just waiting to be had there. Put a little runabout in a string and have Lakitu carry him around. <laughs> no, I felt like this one was an awful lot like, uh, was it the next phase where Jordy and Ro were phased and they, oh, and they yeah. could kind of like walk around and see the ship when no one will see them? This is a little bat. Mm. Yeah. That was a better episode. Yeah, the they picked a Romulan into space in that episode. <laughs> oh yeah, hardcore. I also but it makes about as much sense as yeah. that episode. I'll give you that. Yeah, because they were somehow able to walk on the deck even though they were ghosts. Yeah, and like well, not ghosts, they but, could use ladders, I guess. Or yeah, they know. could. Uh, yeah, simple tools. But yes, anyway. I'm glad you referenced the TAS one name, because I was going to say at some point, I feel like the last time we did a shrinky story was TAS, and when the last time you did something was TAS, you're in a bad place. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can't deny it's at least been a long time. But Getting the thing is, like, this this episode doesn't make me angry. Like, it's it's not it's not great, but it's also not upsettingly bad, at least to me. I like To be fair, I'm not actually angry. I'm just coming to the realization live. He's not angry. I'm He's disappointed. just disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just like my dad. But I'm all right. Oh. Yeah, like I got sick of the Julian does math in his head all the time now thing. It's like I'm already very done with that. And then when he and uh, Miles are like inside a panel somewhere, right. I just felt like it looked awful. Well, you you said it. Oh, yeah. I was like, I feel like I can, it's just like so obvious that this is like the tubing from a dryer and some blinky lights. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could yeah. recreate that in my house right now with shit I have. Well, it was it was straight up a scene <laughs> out of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids mm -hmm. where they just yeah. like got yeah. super Yeah, but they didn't make props. any cute ants as friends. That's true. Poor auntie. R.I.P. The runabout was the cute ant. <laughs> no, well, it was bullshit then. I also did love, you know, when fucking... Julian nearly sat down and murdered himself. You know, I just want 
wanted the chief to go, aren't you supposed to be some sort of mutant brain genius? <laughs> I shouldn't have to fucking brain tell you these genius. things. How do you get killed at the sea parks? <laughs> <laughs> you caught fire. Who's a sweetheart? Who's gonna have a fire break out here, 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 here? <laughs> uh, uh, also, the, the <laughs> oh Jesus, the scene bro, where I... the scene where uh, uh, um, Julian has to uh, tell O'Brien like close your eyes and yeah. like. He's how how long has he been working on these things? Why is uh, why is uh, Chief O'Brien suddenly a complete idiot in that scene? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll give him credit. Yeah. Yeah, ever come into a part of a city you are intimately familiar with nope. from a direction you never come to it from yeah, yeah. and you are fucking lost for a second? You're like, I know this and I do, but I don't understand. Yeah, I've been yeah, there. This is that to the nth degree. Fair enough. Okay. You know, it's like I am inside a thing I is normally see like, from the bird's eye view. Like I, that I get. This is you more know? like the negative nth degree because it's so tiny. Ah. No, it's a question. I'm not even trying to be funny. <laughs> oh, One no. over nth degree. There we go. Thank yeah. you. There it is. But yeah, like that, I'll give it. Because again, like I said, I've, I've sometimes been in an area. It's like. I know this area like the back of my hand. I just never come to it from this direction. And it's the most disconcerting thing. Because like you said, Justice, it's like, it's all familiar, but it's all wrong. Yeah. And it takes you a second. You know, it would be like if the whole world just suddenly mirrored. You'd be like, Bleh. when I, uh, you mean like if we were in a mirror universe, you no. might say. When I first got my driver's license, I, it was like midnight. I popped a CD in and uh, to tell you how long ago this was. And uh, I just drove around trying to get lost so I could find my, uh, where I was again. And I, so I ended up having like a lot of those experiences in a single night. Yeah. So that, that makes sense to me, I think. Fair enough. Um, Julian not knowing he shouldn't sit on something that is probably, you know, supercharged. Yeah, I was I mean, also trying to picture there, like, I got something exposed... he can sit on that's supercharged. Why oh, is no. there exposed uh, electrical shit in there, right? Like, that, well, that seems potentially hazardous. Well, it's probably stuff that, first of all, you can normally only reach with a tool, not your finger. Yeah, like tweezers. Like, I was trying to well, picture no, I, this I, thing I real okay, size. Because yeah, he like, even what? says it's like microamps of, of electricity. Yeah. Like, it's not enough that would it, hurt a person, but I can understand, like, shorting something out mm. pretty easily and damaging it. Yeah, well, they did say it's normally an airtight space, so it's something that's not supposed to get stuff in it. Oh, and How if it's airtight, there's no oxygen, and without oxygen, you can have fire. Start at the sea parks. <laughs> <That's a> sea <laughs> parks. <laughs> oh, that's a good episode. Uh, oh, it really I is. If only Graham Linehan wasn't was a human waste. Literally, just gonna say, yeah. too bad Gr Graham Linehan is a fucking bitch. I once saw someone suggest that if they ever did. A Kelvin TNG. Oh, I was going to say, the IT crowd, but different. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which they've done and failed. Richard Ayoade should play Data and... Richard Ayoade should really do whatever good. the fuck he wants. Richard Ayoade should play everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, the one thing the I did wonder, might be a though, dickhead, but that show is still brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. The one thing so is Black I... Books. Mm. Oh my god, wait, did he write Black Books as well? Yeah. I think he co-created that. Son that of one. a bitch, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I love Black Books. So the one thing I don't get is how you're supposed to do some of what they did if you're not tiny and inside it. Well, that's probably what all those like weird like coupler decoupler tools that they always fucking use. Well, it must be because like trying to do that even with tweezers would be a nightmare. Well, the yeah, they're probably like little thing. tiny force fields that 
Yeah, yeah the absurd thing is that, that so Nog is supposed to be trying to do this thing that will overhaul the the it's unclear Passwords, what they're yeah. ever trying to do to, to fool the Jem'Hadar and to think they're trying to do a password something. reset. Basically. So actually, basically. <laughs> what is my mother's maiden name? You know, I don't even know. <laughs> I always they're, called her Ma. They, they, Mookie? <laughs> <laughs> they were basically trying to do what Kirk did in Wrath of Khan, where he oh. took over the Reliance command console. But they're trying to reroute it to engineering okay. instead of trying to get into it from a different ship. And what Nog is trying to do is he's doing that all just via command keys. He's not going in with the tiny tweezers and going into these little hubs that Julian and O'Brien went into. Like, the yeah. fact that any of this was equivalent to what Nog was doing just confused me to begin with. It probably doesn't make sense. No. No. Didn't make sense to me, not gonna lie. But yeah, it sounds like they made it harder to break in than it used to be, which is good because it was way too easy in Star Trek 2. Well, um, except the Jem'Hadar have control of everything, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe they should. They improve security so that Starfleet people can't get in, <laughs> but the Jem'Hadar who have just boarded the ship have full access. Like, you think there'd be like a panic button, <laughs> like a panic, like we just got boarded button on, you know, that the captain can press that they shuts a, everything down they need a panic we got boarded button that isn't self-destruct oh, right god <laughs> those people are way too willing to throw away their lives yeah it's like <sighs> how how many threatened self-destructs have we had over the course of three series so many let's volunteer miles for a mission that'll get him killed <laughs> every week I think that's next week, actually. But Well, it was kind of this one, too. Them describing, like, okay, yeah. if you go out there and breathe the bad oxygen, the, the oxygen that's too big for your lungs, you'll just pass out and die. And he's like, oh, good. That's a better one than usual. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it won't hurt so much. <sighs> Poor bastard. One little ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. This, is, this is how tiny woman porn begins. Sorry, Jessia. Oh, no. No, I Dream of Genie started a long time ago. <laughs> Touche. That's pronounced tushy. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's really get down to it. How old is the story of Thumbelina? Old. I actually followed this Christian YouTube. Anderson, you a freak. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's amazing how quickly, like, there's this YouTube channel I follow, and I haven't watched the video yet, but he recently did a thing about the world's earliest animated porn and it's from 1929 wow like basically as soon as we could draw people we were and animate people we were animating them fucking what, what do you Aren't mean by like some of the very early photographs oh yeah there's... Of, of nudity yeah because and... i can imagine flip books forever oh yeah well, i mean i mean animated in the sense of like playback on like a film reel oh okay i got it got it because yes yeah, so i'm sure there are like... also earlier earlier like even some of the earliest motion pictures, I think, yep. are are porn. Naughty, naughty porns. Oh yes, this is probably absolutely makes true. sense to me. I mean, I, I went to a uh, an art exhibit not that long ago. It was sort of uh, it was really quite well. Well, say not too long ago, it was in the before times. But it was like the life, not the life, the the Europe of oh Casanova, I think. So it was like. A series of rooms. It's like, this is kind of what life was like in the fancy parlors of England at the time and France and this and that and Italy and, and just so much pornographic art. Mm. There's this amazing painting in particular. It's a young, you know, it, it's a two sided painting and a full on painting, not like a doodle. 
Because some of them are like little dirty sketches. And you're like, yeah, okay. Someone spent a lot of time on this. And it's a young nun sitting there in prayer from the front. Oh, no. You know, and you're like, wow. And behind her in a window, you can see an older nun looking scandalized. And you're like, what's wrong? Oh, no. Well, you go to the other side of the painting to see what the other nun was seeing. And the young nun has her dress up so you can see her tuchus. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, my. Well, it's boy, pronounced I, I touche. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> if, you th- if you think that is racy, uh, wait till you find out what they were putting on the walls in Pompeii. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong. The, there was also the little room that, like, they warn you before going in that there were just straight up doodles of fucking. <laughs> nice. But they were doodles, not like very elegantly made paintings. I would have been like, why weren't you warning me about the non-fucking doodles? What the hell? <laughs> well, we've gone from one little ship to a rabbit diddle dildo. <laughs> yeah, what just happened? Oh, right, because of the tiny woman. Vintage erotica. <laughs> Vintage erotica. That's the name of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Don't toy with me like I mean, this. Oh, to talk about Far Beyond the Stars for so long and then to call it uh, vintage erotica might be a bit no, insulting. No, you're right. Yeah, no, I, right. I would rightfully right. be, like, murdered for that. <laughs> oh. No, no. All right. Well, on that note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job. Good segue. On, that on the brown note. <laughs> <laughs> I spy with my brown eye. All right. Okay, so, Joyce. <laughs> oh, Nora. Oh, I just want to fuck your farts. Oh, oh I just want to sniff them. My naughty, my naughty friggin' Nora. Oh, anyway, I want to so. take you. I want to take you to a sea parks. <laughs> <laughs> they burn that fucker down with your methane farts. Oh. Your farts. And darts. All right. Nice. There, there was a little fart. It was prepared. It did propel my darts. There we go. Much better poem. Not really. Sorry. <laughs> that is Worf's new poem. Well, thank you. Good job, Worf. Yeah. Anyway, so if you uh, you like that, uh, oh boy, <laughs> and why would you? <laughs> and well, and but at the same time, why not? You know, no, uh, no, no shame here, uh, except for all of us, all the five of us. We probably should be ashamed. Uh, we're not though, and uh, so we're going to keep doing this. So next week, we're going to talk about two more episodes. We're going to talk about Honor Among Thieves, and we're going to talk about Change of Heart. Mm. Two more episodes of the Deep Space Nine. Hopefully, uh, less whiplash. Mm. But yeah, these, again, just really tremendous episodes this week. So, And uh, if you like that and you want to hear more, you can subscribe. And uh, you can always be first to know when a new episode drops. But as a pro tip, it's usually Thursday early in the morning sometime. But you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Spotify. Did I say that yet? You did not. SoundCloud. Whatever. You you know, you found us, listen, you found us this time. Whatever you did, just fucking rinse and repeat, okay? <laughs> Jesus. In the meantime, though, if you want to see what we're posting, if you want to leave a comment, if you want to, I don't know, tell us we suck, whatever, that's fine. It's engagement. We like engagement. You can uh, find us on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. We're also on Twitter and Tumblr as at SSHB Podcast. Or you can visit our website, www.sshbpodcast.com. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, check it out. We'll be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. Good job, Chris. You've been on it both times. Uh, this has been Ames. I've been to Sea Parks. <laughs> Thanks for thank joining you, us, Justice, for joining us again. Uh, thank you for having don't me again. Stay, don't stay away so long next time. I'll try. All right, good. We'll <laughs> I'll hold try you to stay away. <laughs> no. <laughs>
Well, we'll hold you to not staying away. And uh, I don't have anything. I don't have anything amazing to say uh, tonight. We don't have any. Uh, there's no rules of acquisition. Uh, I, I was going to try to read off the IT crowd emergency number, but I can't remember the tune. Oh, one, nine, 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 nine. Yeah. Eight eight one nine 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 one 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 nine seven two five three. Oh, that is a good show. Damn it. Speaking of um, famous African American in sci-fi's who I thought uh, who I thought were dead, uh, Yafet Kodo uh, died this week. Yeah. And I I thought he had been dead for like two decades. Oh, Yafet Kodo, he's uh, he was in Alien and uh, he he's one of the uh, guys in the Running Man that has to uh, go with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Both both uh, shows we need to tend forward at some point. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I've never seen that one. Perhaps oh, somewhat fun. less uh, grandiose Mr. Big in Live and Let Die. Haven't. Yes. Have I seen that one? I think so. It's the one where Felix Leiter says Pimp Mobile. <laughs> I don't remember that, but... Uh, but yeah, he was the first African-American yeah. Bond villain, too. Oh, mm. no shit. Yeah. And yeah, uh, uh, apparently was great. they considered him for Picard, which I didn't know until I was reading his obit. Oh, oh, man. He would have been really, really good as it. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is, is they were like, well, we've already got the second or third episode written, and I feel like he might be offended by Code of Honor, <laughs> so we're going to have to go with no. anybody else. <laughs>